Open Mic is a podcast brought to you by Bethel Express of America. All right, we're back. And, um, I, I, you know, the more I do this, I think the more comfortable I become. Uh, the, there were some people that, that, that really spoke into my life and spoke into me. Um, they said, you know, Mike, this would be a good idea. If you did this, you should do a podcast. You have so many stories. You know how to say things the right way and everything. And I'm like, I don't think about this kind of stuff, to really be honest with you. But I must say, I am definitely enjoying this. So I hope you enjoy, you're enjoying this as much as I do. And, uh, you know... I'm going to just go back to old school for me. Not only is he in the building, but he's in the booth. Andrew the Hero went, small H, my man. Uh, just making everything sound nice and purdy and everything. And uh, and speaking of purdy, uh-huh, my wife, Julia, you know, she's behind the mic. Say hi. Hi, your girl. Yeah, there you says go. Hi. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, uh, she's she's the uh, she's the moderator and host of all of this. So I just let her just run with it. So take it away. Well, thank you, dear. How often will you call Pastor Michael Peace outside of the four walls of Bethel Christian Fellowship? <laughs> um, it's kind of interesting. As rare as it was for me to ever be called Pastor Michael Peace, I was called by Pastor Michael Peace more outside of the building than I was inside the building, which is kind of interesting. Um, it's kind of, I don't know. Like, like um, let, let, let's make believe James Brown uh, got saved and became a pastor. But people call him Pastor Brown, you know, <laughs> you know, Pastor James. I don't know. You're like, you've been calling this guy James Brown all his time, you know, and now he's a pastor. And so I, I, not that I put myself on that same level, of course not, but in terms of the mindset of the, of, of the fact that, you know, I was in the public eye, not like James Brown or any of these other famous people, but I was in the public eye. I don't. I. I do not want to pretend that, you know, I was not because I know I was. I was on MTV. I was on BET. I was on. Um, oh man. Well, even some of the major networks too. But, um, you know, like you would not know. I mean, our neighbors never knew what we did. You know, we were just neighbors to our people right there in the hood. It was just just that. But just the same, um, we were. We. You, you know, in the church, people just knew me as just that guy, you know, just a normal guy. You know, yeah, he records this stuff, but it's just Mike Peace. You know, uh, I had a, there was a little boy in our in our church. He said, you know, Mike Peace, um, and this kid was like in third grade. He said, you know, Mike Peace, my friend found out that I know you. And he was like really like like blown away that, you know, that I know you and everything. And he's like, you're just a guy, you know. And part of me was like, Thank you. Their father's like, well, can I get a little bit more love than that? You know, but um, uh, outside of the church building, outside of Bethel, people on occasion would refer to me as, you know, Pastor Michael Peace or Brother Peace. Um, Minister Peace. You know, Minister <laughs> Peace. Um, or, or they would just like introduce me and they would say, this is Michael Peace and he's a pastor, you know, at Bethel for Gospel Church or Christian Fellowship and stuff like that. So. But uh, but it happened more outside of the church building than it did inside the church. But I was good either which way, you know. I, I never felt I, you know, me. I, I I've, you know, because especially if you are in ministry, you know, I'm more about you know. Some people are about titles. I'm about testimonies. You know, um, your titles don't really, you know, take you very far. Your testimony gives you a lot of credibility when you when you need to use it in the, in, in terms of uh, a need to make an op have make good use of an opportunity to minister to somebody. 
I think it was, was it cultural too, wherever you were? Like uh, church culture or street culture or black church culture is how they would address you as that? Yeah, yeah. Even today, even today, right here in this neighborhood, you know, I, I have introduced myself as Mike. They All they ever see me do is play drums or set up equipment on when we do our outreaches every week here. Um, and... Um, People to the, hey, pastor, hey, yo, pastor, what's good? How you doing, pastor? Hey, preacher, how you doing? They've not ever heard me preach. I've always introduced, I have not one time, not to this very day since 2012, and we've been here now, but we've been here since, uh, we've lived here since 2016. 17. Yeah, two, 2017. Um, I've not one time have my lips ever said that I'm a pastor. I'm Mike. What's your name? Mike. You know, and so it's an interesting phenomenon. But I guess they say, how did the saying goes? Um, if you are what you really think you are, the people would tell you. Hmm. You know, so yeah. I guess I think I'm a pastor. So they tell That's me. <laughs> yeah, you weren't self-proclaimed. Yeah. Oh, no, you didn't. Eh? <laughs> Let's move it on. So you talked about the end of your rap career and started being on being on staff, paid staff member mm -hmm. at Bethel. Uh, did you change your approach in ministry? No, um, this is not going to sound right. The only difference between um, when I was traveling and doing this and not traveling and doing this was I got a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only difference. I, I didn't do. I did not do anything different mm -hmm. um, or more special or anything like that. I, the only difference was the paycheck. Um, and you got to remember, I was approached about this. I was not seeking it or pursuing it. I, I, you know, for me, I was just, Lord, I just do not want to be a ghost dad. That's all I cared about. And and I was cool. I was cool to work at a Walmart. I was cool, you know, to do whatever I could do to be, just be a father at home, you know, for, you know, for our son to come home every day to a father. That, that was all I really cared about. So it did not really matter to me. Um, so, you know, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. You know, yeah. I think when I first met you, you were your call was because we talk about fivefold ministry now, which mm. is was a really big thing, like within the last past ten years. Right. Early in the eighties, nineties, right. it was it, you really only heard of a pastor. You heard of the evangelist, mm -hmm. you know, and then the teacher, which you have that teacher anointing and mm -hmm. gifting. Also, right. And so, uh, but your main thing really was in how you. I guess you married them together was being that evangelist. Yeah. And that was the call, only call that you wanted. I think at the time, or knew yeah, that God had called you to. And it was the only one that I really recognized definitively. Right. You know, um, of course, the Lord continued to develop me in ministry that, you know, I, de I definitely did, you know, excel, for lack of a better way of putting it, you know, as a pastor. But but what it, um, uh, one of the men who helped me become a Christian, um, uh, Rick, Rick Rocco, I won't forget, he said to me, he says, you... Um, are a pastor with the heart of an evangelist, mm. you know, and um, that really meant a lot to me because he knew me since I had gotten saved and he recognized God's call and, and what God wanted to do in my life in particular, you know, and he said nothing. And then he said, he said in publicly, he said, nothing could beat a pastor that has the heart of an evangelist. He says, because he will always be concerned about your soul, you know, and that meant a lot to me and a whole lot. 
So it changed from being an outreach and helping people to find salvation and then being placed with someone who did follow-up for you, basically, mm-hmm. because you did not do it as a Michael Peace evangelistical ministry. Yeah. So when you switched over to youth, because you had always worked with youth since mm-hmm. you got saved, it was more a shepherding kind of thing. Yes. So you're still basically in that, just different age groups. Can you share what age groups you worked with? You know, it's kind of interesting. Um, when I, when, when when we were traveling the country, I was um, being asked to speak in assembly programs throughout the course of the week, and then we would do concerts in the evening time or do a juvenile detention center or whatever the case may be, or I would do um, uh, assembly programs all week and then advertise the concert at the end of the week, which would have been the time I would have been able to do my music and give an appeal for, you know, give people an opportunity to give their life to Jesus because, of course, I could not do it during school time in a public school. And um, it was kind of it was it, it was kind of interesting because I started doing high schools only, and all I wanted to do was high school kids, um, you know, you know, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth graders, and as time elapsed. Uh, and I won't forget this. Um, a brother said to me, he says, you know, you do really well when you talk to middle, you know, J high kids. And I was like, I am not trying to hear about working with J high kids, you know, but the more I did what I did, the more I realized, man, the message that I have, you know, won't we carry more value with younger kids. So I don't have to be so intense with the older ones because I have to be intense with the older ones because their lives are now, you know, te- you know, later into their teen years. And so I found myself doing, you know, middle school, J-high more than anything, you know. And as, as time elapsed, it was kind of like, man, these kids in the J-high level are off the scale. This is crazy. This is crazy. And I found myself not only wanting to do younger you know, elementary school age kids, but being asked to do elementary school age kids. Um, uh, my message was the same. It was, I, you know, of course I, you know, I um, I had to, my delivery had to be different because of the age bracket, but um, yeah, but it started, it started with the senior highs and it, it just kept going down, <laughs> you know, in the age bracket. Now the Lord has been doing all three age brackets. So, you know, it's kind of like, okay, Lord, I guess it's you send them our way and we'll do what you do with what you want do with them what you want us to do. Long time, long time. So um you talked about street ministry, okay, and pastoring at shows. Um what were some of the venues that you found yourself ministering in? Yeah, it jails, prisons, juvenile detention centers, orphanage orphanages, a couple of single mom daycare spots. Um Remember the time? Oh, I'll never forget this. We were in Dunbar, Florida, and I walked into the to the area where all the single moms had their babies, and the babies were just crying. And I went around, and I would lay hands on every. I would lay hands on, on the babies, and by the time I left, every baby that was crying, it was like 15, 16 babies. They all just stopped crying. You know, and, and, and the director was looking at me like, what did you just do? And <laughs> I used to do that with JD. Yeah, so. yeah, I did. But I, and so That's while funny. I was yet a father, I was 
learning how to chill children out. But um, yeah, I'll not ever forget that. But yeah, so so we did all of those kind of places, and I, I really, you know, for 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 me in my heart, I just wanted to be where the Lord wanted me to be to do what He wanted me to do. You know, I mean, I've I've done the Greek theater, which is you know world renowned Greek theater in L.A. And the next day we were back out in Compton, you know. So here we are in front of 40,000 people, you know, screaming my name, literally. And then the next day we were back, you know, in the projects and in Compton and, in, you know, Watts for one day, um, just, you know, doing what God wants us to do. So we've we've done it. Oh, let me tell one the story. I did not ever really fear for my life in a prison, all right, where there was one time. It was a woman's prison, women's prison. I'm up there and I'm rapping, right? And there's this one woman and she's looking at me. Like everybody's feeling it except her. she's ice grilling me hard. Like, I'm like, I think I'm in trouble here, you know? You know, you know, I would go to do these, you know, do music. And sometimes people from other religions would be there, you know? And, um, and so, you know, I would say things about Muhammad as opposed to Jesus so I'm thinking this, she's got it out for me, you know? And so when I got off the step, you know, off the little platform there, she looked at me, she, she looked at me, she says, I want to talk to you when this is over. And I'm looking over at the brother that brought me, I was like, help, <laughs> help me. Cause I look, she looked like she was going to jack me hard, you know? And um, so finally it was over. And, and so I says, yo man, um, this, 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 this woman wants to talk to me. Like, I think you need to back me up. So let's go over to talk. So she says, I want you to know that this music that you're doing is not of God. You, I, I just, I just don't, I just don't see God in it. I said, okay, I hear you. And so you have no business being in the and ch- being in the church. You have no business being here. I don't, I, I don't, I don't even like you. I said, I understand it. I, I, you know, I hear you. I said, but sweetheart, would you be willing to admit that it was feeling good when you saw me up there with them beats? And she smiled, she said, yeah. And then she she smiled and then she frowned again. She said, but I still don't believe that it should be in the church though. And I'm like, okay. And so I was glad that I got through that one. About three years later, we ended up back there. I remember that it was in Baltimore. That's where it was. I remember, and we ended up doing something else somewhere else. And uh, 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 she, we were at a different prison and she was at that prison. And uh, she saw me and I said, where I know you from? You know, you got to be careful when you talk to women, especially in prison. I said, where I know you from? And then she told me, I was like, oh, for real? She says, yeah. She says, I'm here. You know, this is my last, my last leg, you know, on, um, you know, being, you know, being, you know, locked up, being locked up. Cause she had a number of years. So, so this was a lighter, lighter prison. And so she, um, she said, you see where I'm at, right? I was like, yeah. Did you come to like, tell me I, I'm not supposed to be down with, doing this in the church anymore she says no i love jesus now <laughs> i was like got got good to you didn't it and she just laughed but anyway i could see i could tell that story forever now do you uh, so you did jails and um all of that is a process you yeah. know what made you i'm just thinking of the scripture that when i was in prison you visited me yeah was that something that was a motivation to go to venues like that you know most of the things that we did Especially, you know how they say, I mean, there's a first time for everything. Most of those things, I was just being invited because people had seen me on TV, 
you know, they had read about me in a magazine or even listened to my music or maybe heard me on a radio broadcast. And, you know, you know, they, you know, I think some of them said, I wonder if he would be willing to come in our city and do this and go to a prison or jail or whatever. And that's how, that's pretty much how all of those just started to happen. They were not really in my head or in my heart to go. I never said, like, I want to go into prisons. I want to go into juvies. I want to go into, you know, orphanage. I, I, I just wanted to be wherever the Lord wanted me to be. Working with the gangs was something that was my heart's desire, though. I have to admit that. Being in the streets, I did want that. But, you know, doing facilities. But, the, I mean, the truth be told, if you're in a prison, you're really in the streets anyway because it's whatever happened in the streets that's now in the, you know, inside that building. But I'm, but I never, I had not ever really asked for it specifically, other than being in the streets with the gangs and the drug dealers. Those two things I did want to do. That's where I wanted to be. But the, those facilities, that just kind of happened. Can Can you tell us some of the fruit that has come? I know that you've been at uh, industry for over thirty mm-hmm. five years, thirty four years, four years. Um, and as well as Monroe Children's Center. But can you tell us some of the fruit that has come out of that or that you know you've made a direct impact, how God has yeah. used you? And, and you know, for those of you who are listening, when you hear the term industry, that's that's not the industry or, or, or a industry. That is literally the name of the area that that this juvenile detention center is located at uh, in. And, um, and when she said Monroe Children's Center, it's not for children, but that's what it's called. It's for kids that are age of children, but you know, kids who had done some very serious things, very serious crimes, and and I've you know I've I've done those uh, both at this point for thirty four years. The pandemic came in the way of some of the, the consistency of it, but you know I've still I've still done those and will continue to do those. Uh, you know, on, on request right now because the COVID is holding back everything. But just the same, um, uh, and 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 it's so funny because. Uh, you know, you know. Sometimes when we go to like a McDonald's drive-through or Wendy's drive-through, and um, you see how they respond to me. Um, what happens is when I'm in the juvenile detention centers, I always say that when you get out, you see me. It's nobody's business how I know you, because you have to tell somebody, and I don't want anybody to know. You know that he was he was locked up for something. You know, so I have this. I have this. I have a, a a wink. I have a wink sequence with my eyes, and some of them when they see me, they'll be, <gasps> and I just do the wink, and then they know to respond back with the wink to say, "Oh yeah, pass the piece, yeah," you know, kind of a thing. And like, I'm just glad to see you. They're glad to see me, and I I really enjoy seeing them in in a job doing their thing. You know, um, it's, you know, it used to be quote unquote just fast food joints, but now I'm seeing some of them, look, Mr. Peace, man, I have a house now. Mr. Peace, man, this is my wife. Mr. Peace, this, you know, you know, I became a father when I was locked up, but like, this is my daughter now and she's four and like, you know, I'm engaged now and you know, that kind of stuff. And that really does my heart a whole lot of good when I see these young boys, because it's mostly boys that I've I've ever really worked with in juvenile detention centers. Girls too, but nowhere near as many Boy, you know, as many as the as with the boys, and just to see them out on the outside and doing the right thing, and just you know, ha- like we say in the streets, handling their business, and that, that's always encouraged me, or, or, or has always been an encouragement to me. 
So all that winking wasn't for a discount, huh? <laughs> I was like, oh, you wink. They got a discount here, no? Well, well, it's amazing, though, uh, when you look at the streets and you look at those that are uh, shunned, you know, put away or seem that they're forgotten, that God has used you and others like you to go and bring the liberating word of, of the gospel yeah, of Jesus yeah. Christ. And I'm very, I, as your wife, has, have always been very proud of you in, in the fashion oh, that sure. you've done and the fruit of what's and So I always admire you for that because, uh, you, you know, you, you're a good guy. Hey, I got got a good guy. (laughs) Well, (laughs) well, that brings us to a close. Thank you so much, honey. Oh, I mean, Michael. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. And please make sure that you're able to subscribe to it any way you can. Spotify, Apple, so that you can keep up current. And see if there's something new that you didn't know about Michael that you know now. Until then, be blessed, be safe, and be well. Thank you.